Um, church, it is so good to be here. Um, we have a particular um, rhythm in our services, if you haven't been here before, is that we kind of break up our service right now to live out our mission of finding and following Jesus together. And that for togetherness for us is to build relationship with one another. Um, and the way that we encourage you to do that is we have coffee and tea and water and especially donuts in the back, right? So for all you donut lovers, that's me too. Uh, we want you to get up and grab something and then on your way, um, meet somebody new. So that means you have to stand up, you have to move spots, uh, and then ask this question as a prompt to help you introverts um, have this question. Says, what advice would you give your younger self? We're kind of doing an existential uh, question here. But, uh, you know, if you're a little younger, then maybe give your younger, younger self or just listen. Uh, so take the next five minutes, get up, grab something to eat and drink, and we'll see you back in five minutes. Okay, friends, uh, we're just going to come on back and we're going to dig in this morning. Um, and so as you come back, one of the things that we wanted to, to really... Uh, focus on this year is to dive deeper into our uh, mission. And we've said it a lot this morning, but we want to say it enough to where you know uh, who we are and what we're all about. We are about helping people find and follow Jesus. And this year, we really believe that we want to do that together. Uh, and so this year, we've started off our vision series with, this, with a, a series called Talmudim. And you have may never know what that word means. Or you might be like, what in the world? Uh, but Talmudim is a Hebrew translation for what we get as disciple or apprentice. And so we believe that um, as Jesus has called us uh, to find and to follow him, he's called us to be his Talmudim, his uh, apprentices, his disciples. And so um, the way that we're going to talk about over this series last week, this week, and next week is uh, three things. We talk about being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And I hope that um, you were encouraged this week. Last week, we uh, encouraged you um, in our practice of being with Jesus to spend 10 minutes of your day just in silence and solitude, just with Jesus. And so we hope that um, that was a good practice. If, it's, if, it, if you're new and this is the first time joining us, um, jump in with us. It's a practice that we are all doing together so that we share that story and share our discipleship together. And so spending time with Jesus in the morning or in the afternoon or at the end of your day. Ten minutes just to be with Jesus uh, and to practice the presence of God. And so this week we're going to jump in to this idea of what it looks like to become like Jesus. As we are with him, we are called to become like him. And so our big idea this morning is that becoming like Jesus is the process... Big word right there, process of being transformed by Jesus. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about what does it look like to be in process and to be in transformation. So if you'll uh, turn with me to your Bible, um, Luke chapter 6, we're going to do two verses, going to hone really on what Jesus is saying in this little tiny parable in Luke chapter 6. So if you have a Bible in front of you, whether it's physical or digital, we encourage you to get it out, to look at it. We'll be referencing it. You can see the context before and afterwards, uh, but it'll also be up on the screen. Uh, it says this, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 39. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not, will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will become like their teacher. Let me read that last verse 40 again. The student is not above the teacher or rabbi, but everyone who is fully trained will become like their rabbi. So this morning, um, we're talking about this practice of being transformed um, and being in process of becoming like Jesus. And in this... Um, 
kind of idea of just thinking about what does it look like to be transformed. Obviously, one of the things that my kids are in elementary school, and so um, our oldest one is starting to dabble into a little bit of science. Like, so we go in uh, and we go on hikes. We talk a little bit about science and about nature. And one of the things that um, I, I was witnessing and I was reminded of is the process of becoming a butterfly. Right? Anybody know that process? I know y'all are like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'd be like, name it. And y'all be like, no, no. No, don't call me up. But yeah, right, so you have the caterpillar or the larva that goes into um, a pupa or, and then all of a sudden, after some time, uh, it emerges from that into this beautiful caterpillar. But I was watching a video in this process, and one of the things that really uh, touched me in particular when we talk about this transformation is that when the butterfly emerges from the, the, the pupa, pupa, like as it, as it emerges, it's not fully grown. What it does is it sits there on the, um, on the edge and it begins to put out chemicals that cause its wings to grow. So it doesn't just come out and be like, hey, I'm a butterfly, right? It is a butterfly, but then it sits and waits and grows out its wings before it takes its first flight. It's imperative that it sits here in this moment and begins to expand its wings so that as it takes flight, it can actually do what? Fly. Right? It can carry the weight of its new body and this disoriented place. It sits there. It gets oriented with its body and it gets to flutter its wind and says, guess what? I can take off. And I thought about this in the process of discipleship. Right? That we as people who are called to be disciples or apprentices after Jesus are the Talmudine of Jesus that in the moment when we find Jesus, we are transformed into disciples of Jesus. We say yes and surrender our lives and we are now called as disciples, but we still need in the process of becoming like Jesus. And you think about that. The butterfly's life is literally two to four weeks on average. But it takes minutes. It takes time to grow before it fully is ready to go out and fly. And just like the butterfly, you uh, and me are transformed into the son and daughter of the Most High King, disciples, Talmudine of Jesus, who now need to be in the process of becoming like our rabbi. And so this morning, we're going to talk about what does that look like in that transformation. And I think transformation particularly happens for us. Through uh, when we move from unintentional to intentional discipleship, right? So we move from this process of being unintentional about our developing and our becoming, and we move from our unintentional to our intentional, right? And so you might be asking, like, what does unintentional formation look like? Well, what are the stories that you listen to? What are the stories you read? Some music that you listen to? What's the shows that you watch? What are the group of friends that you hang out with? Like the unintentional discipleship is the passive participation of your everyday life, which is calling you to conform and transform and do one thing or another, right? My daughter just talked about this morning about wanting to um, start uh, this idea of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Anybody, right? Like nobody just dumps into Dungeons and Dragons. They become and they like in this process, right? And so it's this passive participation that everybody wants. Like if you're a Dungeon Dragon, you want to become this game master. Like this is practice of unintentional discipleship to become everything that is fully engrossed in Dungeons and Dragons. And I can't think about this even more and how that plays out in my office. Um, as a family growing up, we didn't eat at McDonald's a lot, right? Like McDonald's just wasn't a thing that we went. But if you joined us on a road trip, oh my gosh. We hit McDonald's there, maybe once, maybe twice, and on the way back, 
right? Because you just like, all of a sudden you're driving in, and what do you see so often? Billboards, right? It's like, that announces you like, hey, you're 40 miles away. You're 20 miles away. And I love this crazy one. They're like, exit now. And then the better one is like, you missed it. Do a U-turn, right? Like everything is like, fuel up, fuel up because you missed it. So you need to turn around, get your Coke, get your Big Mac, get your fries, and then you'll be fueled to go. You missed us, right? All that unintentional marketing is to say like that McDonald's is the only thing for the next hundred miles. So you don't miss us, right? But in the process of your everyday life, you're like, man, I don't ever like eat this junk, right? If you like McDonald's, Kudos to you. Uh, I, I, my dad loved it. He loved himself a little sausage biscuit in the morning um, and a Diet Coke. That was his thing. But, right, we, we didn't do it very often as a family. And so our unintentional discipleship was all of a sudden something that we didn't participate in and we didn't aim for became like the centrality of our trip. Right? Where's the next uh, McDonald's? But so we move from this idea of the stories that we believe, the things that we are listening to that are unintentionally forming us in a certain way is that we move to this idea of transformation. And Paul talks about this transformation, classic in uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says this, this is intentional discipleship. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Here it is. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Friends, this is what it looks like is that when we are disciples of Jesus, that we move from this unintentional forming to intentionality in our former, is that we no longer conform to the strategies of the way that the world is trying to, and we aim at Jesus. We talk about this a lot, that um, in the center of the target is Jesus and the way of Jesus and the discipleship. And so we are talking about in all places, whether it's our head and our heart, our soul and our body, is that we are aiming for the center of Jesus. We're not conforming no longer to the patterns and the strategies of the world, But we're looking at Jesus, we're hearing what he says, we're watching what he does, and then we become like him in all those ways. As we sit and we with him, we become like him. This is the process of transformation. Like, do not conform any longer. Like, it's that continual process. Not now and not ever. Conform no longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the continual renewing constant renewing of your mind, right? That same transformation that the butterfly went through and the continual transformation that was happening in it, same way as we do as a disciple, right? In the way that it says in Luke that you will be fully trained. And so we talk about this transformation a lot and we want to do uh, be people that go from passive participation to active participation. We want to go from passive discipleship to active discipleship. You don't just sit there and be like, I'm going to become. Like nobody does that. Like parents, you don't tell your kids like, just become an artist or just become a sports player. Like what you do is you literally live into this idea of training, right? Nobody just tries to become something, right? You go through strict training, which seems weird to me in the church, why in every aspect, if we want to become something, we put ourselves through training. But often the church is like, just try harder. Like how many of you are like, I'm just going to try to sin less. 
Like, have you heard that before? Like, I'm not going to curse as much. I'm not going to try to buy as much stuff. I'm not going to try to do this. I'm going to try to pray more. I'm trying to read. Like, you just come to this process of trying. And then the moment that you continue to falter and fail, you get discouraged. But there's a thing about training that is the process of becoming that the product of that process is stumbling, is falling down, is getting up. It's getting to the process of becoming. In 1 Corinthians uh, 12, uh, or 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, says this. It says, do, not, do you not know that in a race all runners, all runners, run, but only one gets the prize? Uh, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training, and they do not get a, they, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone who is running, that's a word there, aimlessly. That unintentional, aimless running. I do not fight like a boxer beating at the air. No, I strike a blow to my body to make it my slave so that after I have preached to others that I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Friends, Like, this is the good news, and maybe you need to hear this in the more, is that your job isn't just to try to become like Jesus. It's to put yourself in training, in strict training, where not only our minds are transformed, but our hearts are worked on, and convictions are settled, and then our body starts to live out the truth and the convictions in our everyday life. This is what it looks like to be in training. Under the disciple of Jesus. This is what the disciples of Jesus did. They sat with him. They listened to him. They watched and heard how his convictions were lived out in his daily life. And then they became the same as him. Right? The Luke passage that Jesus says is that they became fully trained. When they started, they were not fully trained. And we might elevate these disciples to think like the moment that they came out of their little cocoon and they're like, Oh, I'm perfect. And they were messed up. They didn't believe him. They did the exact opposite of what he was supposed to be doing, right? Like, they messed it up all the time, but they were not trained. And then they became fully trained as Jesus walked with them. And as they walked with Jesus, they watched him, and they put into practice the life of Jesus. And so we don't just hope to become like Jesus, like if that is, if that's your goal is like, I just hope that in 40 years I'll become more like in Jesus. I'm going to tell you a hard truth. You probably won't. You'll look the same today as you do in 40 years. Right? It's the process of learning, the process of training, the process of becoming the Talmudian of Jesus in our everyday life. And so you might be asking that. What does that training look like? And we're going to talk a lot about this over the next year. So again, this is kind of like a sur- like an introductory survey kind of, of what, um, a little trickle on the um, shallow end of what it looks like um, to be in training. And the way that we talk about uh, training to become like Jesus is four things. Teaching, practice, community, and the Holy Spirit. Like these are the four things that we put into, into practice, we put into our lives that help us train to become the people, the disciples, the apprentice, the Talmudim of Jesus. And so when we talk about what does it look like for us in teaching, um, the teaching that we sit under, it's coming here, right? Um, in classic Western Christianity, even back to Luther, that he was formed by the preaching of the gospel, 
right? And that are participating in reading scriptures or reading books about scriptures or reading devotionals. Those are all good things. Those sit there and uh, participate in what Paul calls, calls the renewing of your mind, right? It gets the truth of Jesus, the convictions of Jesus in your head and in the process of changing and conforming and rewiring your brain and your heart and your body, you begin to learn the truth. Like this is why it's important, friends, to be in the process of, of being a um, teachable um, as disciples of Jesus, because there's so many truths that people, that the world is telling you out there to believe. And if you're not in the word, if you're not being, uh, if you're not consuming, uh, the truth of Jesus, you'll have no way to separate the truth of Jesus with the lies that you were offered. Right? And maybe the lies that you hear like success is being at the top. Right? When Jesus says we're called, uh, he came not to be served, but to serve. He came to be a servant, right? And you might say that, um, that, and we talk about this for the kids, and this is pretty funny the way we were doing it. If my wife and I are in separate cars, um, and we split the kids, like the kids are always like, Daddy, let's be last. Why? Because we believe that the truth is the first or last, and the last or first. That we intentionally put ourselves below and under people, in order that we lift people up and encourage them ahead of us. We continue to have a humble spirit, right? And so we talk about this in terms of teaching is the way uh, in which we do our conforming and becoming is, is, is one through, uh, through teaching, right? So this is incredible. Like I couldn't imagine uh, being a disciple of Jesus and not uh, being in the word of God every day. I can't believe of being a disciple of Jesus and not coming um, to, um, uh, to service, to worship with you and to get into God's word and let it conform and transform me, right? Those are good things. I can't believe that it would be like to, to not pray every day to my God. But we don't only just live on teaching, but we talk about practice. And practice is um, a, a word that we, we talk about a lot, but I like to think of this as like practices or habits or the way in which Jesus um, lived his daily life. Um, and the way that I think about this also is a, is a new paradigm, right? The truth that we talk about versus the lie that's offered. Practice makes what? Mm-mm. Why are you living that lie? Has anybody practiced something and become perfect at it? Because if you have, talk to me. I'm going to write a book and make millions of dollars. Like, you're like, no, practice makes what? Progress. Like practice, like when you put your, your kid out there or you put yourself out there to try something the first time, you're going to fail. But when you get up and you do it again and you do it a little bit better. Right? I'm glad nobody watched me as a, as like a first like six months in the Pacific Northwest hiking. Y'all have been so embarrassed of me. Oh, so embarrassing me. But maybe now, after being here like almost two years, that I uh, resemble a little bit more because I practiced it a lot. I wasn't the perfect hiker. I wasn't doing uh, Mount Sai right away. I wasn't doing Mount Rainier. I was trying Little Sai, And I was huffing and puffing on the way up. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm almost 40. <laughs> um, right? But then this slice of like practice, like, um, and then in uh, Luke 6, he goes, that difference between like you're untrained and then you're fully trained. Like, it doesn't say you're nothing and then you're everything. You're imperfect and then you're perfect. 
It's the process of training, the process of putting practices in your life, in informing yourself in the way of Jesus and the practices of Jesus. And we'll talk about more what that looks like. That looks like silence and solitude. That looks like being in scripture and being in prayer, being um, participating in fasting, taking a regular Sabbath, eating with people. Like these are the things that, that were practice of Jesus that are counter to the, to the way of the world that when we put them into practice, they do something in the, in not only just to our bodies and the way that we, um, like just strict training, but it does something to our soul. It does something to your soul when you practice a certain way that you become formed on the inside out. But not only do they do that in, in practice, but we also do it in community. And community for us as a church is, I mean, community has been a word that's thrown out around a lot. And people talk about communities are different. Like you have your cross-country community, you have your school community, you have your church community, and your work community, and your neighborhood community, and your neighborhood association. Maybe you like that or you don't like that. Um, right? <laughs> but there's all these communities. But the communities that we talk about, um, there's a difference between community and relationships. Relationships are often formed by people that like the exact same, think the same way. You put yourself in groups that are in relationships that are all the same thing. You become this, like, in a Star Trek reference, you become the Borg. Like, you all center yourself around the same thing. But community for us as disciples of Jesus is this body that has been put together that shouldn't last together, that is unique, is different. It's a mosaic of different people, different convictions, and it comes together, and these are people that we choose to follow Jesus with. Which means when you look to your left or right, you have such conviction that I might not choose you in a relationship, but I'm committed to you in community because God stitched us together. That if you believe this place, Pine Lake, is your home, and you believe this community is the place that God has called you, that you don't just sit in just certain individual, particular relationships and say, hey, now I have no vacancy, or I have vacant, you know, and now I come to this place of the conviction that the truth is that God has called us to be woven together as one body under the head of Christ, and then thus we are the body of Christ, and we choose to be together. This is why we invite you into places, uh, like for us as a church, into, com- into groups, whether that's growth groups, social groups, life groups. We invite you into places like Tuesday Together, where you can just build community. Get in spaces with people that aren't like you, that know God in a different way that you do, and then be able to grow. You're so committed to this place. And it also does two things that I think are particularly important. And hear this with community. And maybe this is why you're like, I don't know if I want to choose community, but maybe I can give you two encouragements. Well, I just said one of the words. Ha <laughs> ha. Right? Community does two things. It provides us accountability and encouragement. If you're not growing in Jesus... My question to you is maybe you don't have the community that is holding you accountable. Not in a way that accountability does, like in maybe in sometimes like in sports where you get berated for not performing, but an encouragement to say this is the center. This is the way of Jesus. And this is the best way to live. He said this is life and life to the full. And I want to encourage you to live in this way. I know it's hard and I know you don't do it perfectly and I don't do it perfectly either. But I want to hold you accountable to the way of Jesus. And so that when people look at us, they see Jesus, not perfect, but imperfectly perfect people pointing to the way of Jesus as bearing witness to his goodness, his love, his grace, and his mercy. But then it also brings encouragement. I've never been in a place that rallies me to do something more because they love me. You can't detach the places of people that will encourage you and love you. 
Those people that encourage you the most are the people that love you the most. Kids, hear me. This is why your parents are always encouraging you. Because they love you the most. Parents, this is why I'm telling you to keep encouraging your kids because you want to show them that you love each other. This is why we encourage one another. Because we look at each other and say, I love you because Christ loved me. So this is why we choose uh, to disciple one another in the process of community. This is why we don't just say one of our missions is for you just to find and follow Jesus alone by yourself. We do it together because this is the way of Jesus. And lastly, we do it because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we talked about this a lot. We talked about it last week. We'll continue to talk about it. The Holy Spirit is the way in which you live as a disciple right now. It's the way in which you practice the presence of God in your life and the practice of presence with Jesus is through the Holy Spirit. It's the gift that he's been given you to encourage you to, to be with you every day. And so as you practice the presence of God, as you practice the presence of the Holy Spirit, you give yourself over to this idea that it's not about how well you can do it on your own. But the God who created you, loved you, and created everything you see around you is the one that is empowering you to become like him. It's nothing that you do inherently better than anybody else. But it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans talks about this. To this way, and I just want to hear this because maybe you're like, I don't. This whole process of becoming, it, it just brings up feelings of failure, experiences of failure. I felt like I've been the same disciple for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. I want to encourage you with this word from Paul. So I find this law at work that although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Here it is. Who's the one that delivers? Thanks be to God that he delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, this art of becoming like Jesus, this practice of becoming like Jesus, the being the Talmudine who is with Jesus, who becomes like Jesus and does what he does, is a process of done through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing you can do to earn his favor, earn the salvation, earn a reconnection with him or the body. Nothing you can do except live in the power of the Holy Spirit through the deliverance of the Holy Spirit, through the empowerment of the Father. Friends, I don't know about you, but that's a good encouragement to me. Because I know I'm going to go in about 20 minutes right now, and I'm going to mess this all up. Mess it all up. Your pastor's saying this right now. So don't feel bad if you do 25 minutes, because I'll do 20. You'll be better than me, right? We're all in this together. Because the same Holy Spirit that is encouraging me and empowering me is the same Holy Spirit that is encouraging and empowering you. So friends, when you want to walk away from your rabbi, lean in. When you want to choose the easier way, lean in. Because when you lean out, you're all alone, doing it on your own. And maybe that's what you've felt like. But when you lean in to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did, you become the disciples that he's always desired us to be. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning.
As people who have come from different spaces and places, things happened yesterday and this week um, that has brought us to the necessity of being here. Maybe that's a necessity of celebrating what you have done. Maybe that's a necessity because we've been ambivalent about this life and we feel lifeless. And we want to come back to the source of all life. And maybe for some of us, we felt like... Um, there is no hope. That this road is lonely. This road is um, exhausting and beats us down. God, I pray that you would send the Holy Spirit, which is the one who abides with us and in us, to encourage us that the life that you have for us is good. The one that you have. And so for maybe some of us here, we've been trying a lot. We've been trying this Christian life out a lot and we seem to be stuck. God, as a good father, would you remind us that you just want us? You want all of us. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Nothing is is too terrible that turns your face away from us. That you love us enough to beckon us into your presence presence and you love in us love us enough to change us and you love us enough to restore us into a relationship with you God we ask that we wouldn't just be passive in this you didn't passively sit on the throne and said the people I hope you get it right you left heaven. You entered into time and space to be with us. How good the Father's love is for us. That we might be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. We ask this in your name. Amen.